0: As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Well, good morning, church family. So good to be together this summer. I know you're not clapping for me. You're clapping because you're glad to be a church and you're eager to dive into God's word. Hey, did you know that there are six generations that are alive today? Let's uh, review these together. The silent generation, this would be mostly our seniors. And uh, it's the smallest uh, generation because of the Great Depression. And it's the silent generation because they were silent during the McCarthy era of government. Uh, The baby boomers get their name because of the increased fertility rate after World War II. Most of these are entering into retirement or in retirement. I'm a part of Gen X. This is 40s and 50 years old. This is also known as the MTV uh, generation, the X. Comes from a label as anti establishment. The millennials are those that are in their 30s. Those that are millennials are known for being environmentally conscious as well as community oriented. Uh, Gen Z, this would be our students and those that would be in their 20s. It's a very adaptable uh, generation. This generation values volunteering. And then those in our nursery, In our grade school, those are Gen Alpha. This whole generation has been born in the 21st century. It's called Gen Alpha because it's not a, it's something brand new. It's not the old, it's the new has come is what Gen Alpha uh, believes. So let's think about some of the key world events that shaped each of these generations in their formative uh, years. This would be Uh, World War II, the Vietnam War, the Cold War, 9-11, COVID, and of course, COVID. Let's think about uh, cars that defined these generations, generations of cars, the Model T, the original Mustang, if you're Gen X like me, you know the icon car, it's the DeLorean, remember the DeLorean? Uh, back in the day, back to the future. Uh, this would be the Prius, one of the first like hybrid vehicles. Uh, Gen Z would totally be into the Teslas these days if they can ever afford one. And then uh, Gen Alpha, Alpha—that's the self-driving cars. This is crazy to think about what our roads are going to be like in the years to come. Let's think about musical devices over the generations. This would be the record player. I know that that's made a massive comeback. But cassettes, this would be the Walkman. I remember getting my first Walkman and carrying my Walkman with me on my paper route as I took newspapers every day to uh, my neighbors, Uh, the millennials, this would be the original iPod. So before the iPhone, there was the iPod. Uh, this would be spotify this would be smart speakers let's think about phones throughout the generations this is going to be a fun one Uh, this is the rotary dial can we all agree that gen alpha and gen z know nothing about how fun it is to do the rotary dial so rotary dial and then this is push button dialing we're taking it up a notch And then uh, Gen X would have the cordless phone. So you're not attached to a cord, but you're still stuck in your house, but it's a cordless phone. Millennials was really the start of the first generation of cell phones. Think about the old Nokias and the flip phones. Uh, Gen Z, of course, iPhone, and Gen Alpha, the new editions, 14 generations now of iPhone. There's so much that we can learn by doing a study about the different generations. There's so much the generations can learn from each other by getting to know each other and by listening uh, to each other. I'm so thankful that High Point is a church that's multi-generational. In fact, even in this building right now, we have all of these generations here, and that's what makes our church strong. If you have a copy of God's Word, I encourage you to open it up to... Um, Psalm 127, the title of this message is this It's Limitless Legacy. That we're in a two year generosity initiative called Limitless. Part of Limitless is Limitless Legacy, investing in the next generation, into families, into parents and kids and students. And so, again, if you have a copy of God's Word, open it up to Uh, Psalm 127, we're in a series entitled Summer in the Psalms. Every Sunday, we're diving into a new psalm. And then throughout the week, we're reading through uh, the psalms together. Although the message today is going to have a bit of a focus on parents, this message is for everyone here today. And everyone joining us online, either live or watching this in the future. That when I talk about parents, I'm talking about biological parents and adoptive parents. I'm talking about foster parents and step parents. I'm talking about grandparents and single parents and married parents. Any parent who has a parental caregiving role, when I mention parents, I'm speaking to you. And I realize that there are some that are here today and you're parents of infants. Others are parents of littles and grade school and preteens and teens. And some of you have entered into the glorious years of being empty nesters. And I realize that there are some that are here that are on a journey trying to be a parent. And that journey has been met with roadblocks and hardships due to infertility and miscarriages. I want you to know that we love you. That we hurt for you. That we hurt with you. I realize not everyone is called to marriage and not every marriage is called to have children. But all of us can value children and pray for children and care for children and protect children and invest in children. It was Dietrich Bonhoeffer who said this. He said, it's the righteous who lives for the next generation. Here at High Point, we believe the next generation is the now generation. And that's why we want to live with a limitless legacy mindset. So with that as an introduction, let's look at Psalm 127. It's only five verses. Let's Start in verse one. It says this, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor build it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, it's the watchman who stays awake in vain. It is in vain. Notice vain three times. We'll come back to that. That you rise up early and you go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Verse three, behold, children are a heritage, there it is, heritage. Another word for this is a legacy. Some translations would say a gift. Children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He should not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Psalm 127 is one of the Psalms of ascent. Psalm 120 to 134 is a collection of Psalms that the Hebrew people would sing as they journeyed from a lower elevation up to Jerusalem to worship. So families would have sung this Psalm on their way to worship. The kids weren't left with a babysitter. Mom didn't go to worship for the family. The family went together, the parents and the kids alongside. And what we want to do in our time together here is we want to look at three principles, three principles for living with a limitless legacy. I wish we had time for three messages, so I hope that you have your notes because we're gonna go through a lot of stuff together. But let's look at having a limitless legacy. What are three principles? Three principles we see right here in the text. Number one is this, is that strong homes are built by and on God. Notice verse one right away. Unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. That God is both the builder and the foundation of the home. Much like a strong and stable foundation is needed for your house, a strong and stable foundation is needed for your home. For your marriage. For your family. Maybe this illustration helps. Look at this triangle. This is a Um, illustration of a strong and stable foundation. Notice a spiritual foundation, leading to relational, emotional, and then physical, sexual. The problem is a lot of relationships start with an inverted triangle. And they start with a faulty and a foolish foundation. That the relationship starts out physical. The relationship starts out sexual. And then there's this emotional attachment and it may never get to even a relational um, relationship and God may not even be in the picture. Maybe you're here today and your relationship was built like this. You can still flip the triangle and you can still have a steady and strong foundation built on the Lord. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells the parable of the foolish builder and the wise builder. The foolish builder built his house on the sand. The wise builder built his house on the rock. And when the storms came, and they always do, turn to your neighbor and say, they always do. When the storms came, and they always do, it was the house that was built on the sand that toppled. But the house that was built on the rock stood strong. And of course, the rock is Jesus Christ. That's the strong and stable foundation. So let's think together about what are some foolish family foundations. I warn you, this may hurt a little bit. Child-centered, calendar-driven, career-focused. Much like the planets revolve around the sun, A child center family revolves around the kid and the kid is raised to feel entitled, feeling like that is what life should be, that everything revolves around me. The calendar-driven family is like the entertainer at the circus that's spinning all those plates. It's super entertaining to watch him put up all these plates and he's running back and forth, keeping all the plates spinning. The the calendar-driven family is doing activity after activity, sport after sport, club after club, and they are exhausted. Why? It's because the parents aren't leading the family. the calendar and the activities that are leading the family. And then the career-centered family. What would it profit a parent to gain the whole world but lose his or her family? So who's calling the shots in your home? Is it your child? Is it your calendar? Is it your um, career? Or is it the Lord? See, before God ever built a nation, before God ever built a church, he built a home. And he wants to build your home as well. Notice in verses one and two, I mentioned the word vain three times. What does vain mean? It means useless, worthless, empty, None of us want that, but notice what happens when we build our home out of self-effort. It's in vain that you rise up early and you go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. It is exhausting to build a family out of self-effort. But notice, he gives to his beloved sleep. How many of you could use more sleep in your life? Not just more hours of sleep, but more restful sleep. More peace in your life. See, when we allow the Lord to build our house, when the Lord is our foundation, then we experience that peace. So, principle number one strong homes are built by and on God. Principle number two is this that every child is a gift from God. Well, where do we see that? It's right here in the text, verse three. Behold, children are a heritage, a legacy, a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, that's an important word, a reward. That every child from the womb to infancy and beyond is a gift from God. I think it's important for us not to add to Scripture what Scripture isn't saying. Scripture is saying here is that children are a blessing. It does not say those who can't have children are cursed. There are a lot of people that long to be parents that are unable to be parents for a number of different reasons. Camille and I struggled with infertility. Went and saw a bunch of different doctors had endless tests. The result of all the tests were sitting with a doctor and a doctor telling us that we were not gonna be able to have children naturally. Jonathan is our miracle baby. He's 22 years old right now. Two years, praise God. Two years after Jonathan was born naturally, Micah came. And two years after Micah was Hannah. Every child from the womb to infancy and beyond is a gift from God. All throughout scripture we see that God is the author He's the giver of life in the womb. Look at a couple of verses. Psalm 139, for you form my inward parts, you knit me together in my mother's womb. There's the word. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God always does amazing things. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. And then in Jeremiah chapter one, before I formed you in the womb, again, that word, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you and appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. As a Christian, I cannot cannot separate my deep convictions about life from my deep convictions about God, who is the creator of life. In 1971, there was a young mom who found herself divorced while carrying her second child. She already had a three-year-old. How in the world could she care for and support another child? She felt scared, she felt confused, she felt alone. 1971 was two years before Roe v. Wade and so abortions were illegal but there were some illegal illegal abortions being done in specific places across the country so she traveled from Colorado to California. And so, while she was in California that she changed her mind. She drove back home to Colorado a few months later. My now wife of 28 years was born. Can we celebrate my wife's life? And the gift that she is, she's the mother of our three kids. She's earned two master's degrees. She's um impacted countless number of people eternity has forever changed because of her life and it was because of the brave choice the brave decision of her mom to choose life i have so much love and gratitude and respect for her mom my mother in law can we praise god for her and for her choice And so every child from womb to infancy and beyond is a gift from God. Here at High Point, we offer a ministry. It's called Embrace Grace. It comes alongside of women who find themselves in a pregnancy and some difficulties around that pregnancy. Just last month, we celebrated two of these moms-to-be with a baby shower. You can see here some of the ladies in our church. This is a partnership between our women's group and our care center coming alongside, supporting, praying for, blessing these ladies as they're choosing life. Again, every child is a gift from God. Every child is a blessing. Your child is a blessing, not a burden your kids know that? Do your kids feel more like a burden to you at times? They feel like a blessing. Regardless of the ages of your kids, whether they're little or they're out of the house, can you just contact, tell your kids today that you're a blessing, that you're a gift from God, you're a gift to our family, you're a gift to our world. Principle number two is every child is a gift from God. Principle number three, is this, is that parents are called to shape, aim, and release their children. Well, where do we see this? Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children of one's youth. So what is the metaphor? The metaphor is, as parents, we are warriors. Our kids are like arrows. But back in the day, a warrior couldn't go to Cabela's or to Bass Pro Shop and pick out an arrow. Instead, a warrior first needed to shape the arrow, and then he needed to aim the arrow, and then he needed to release the arrow. It started with a stick and whittling the stick and then fitting it with feathers and then adding an arrowhead to the end to make it strong and straight. That is what God has called us to do as parents. That we need to shape, we need to aim, and we need to release our children. So let's take each one of those one at a time. We need to shape our kids. Well, how do we shape our kids? Let me suggest to you two primary ways that we shape our kids. We shape our kids with love and we shape our kids with God's word. We shape our kids with love and with God's word. First with love. Love is a universal need of every human being, especially children. Billy Graham has said this, Love your children and let them know that you love them. Children who experience love find it far easier to believe that God loves them. And so how is it as parents, how is it that we are to love our kids? Let me suggest to you, one of the ways that we love our kids is by giving our kids that which is most treasured. That is our time. I've heard it described as time as transparency, intimacy, meaningfulness, and empathy. Transparency is this. The more time you spend with your kids today leads to transparency tomorrow. The more time you spend with your kids, the more you will talk. The opposite is also true. The less time you spend with your kids, the less you will talk. The less time, the less you talk, the less transparency Intimacy is that as you're spending time with your kids, you're getting to know your kids at a deeper level. Transparency is about knowledge. Intimacy is about living out that knowledge. Meaningfulness is that you're there, that you're present during moments and milestones, not just the big milestones, of course, but even in the small moments of life. And then empathy is as you're getting to understand your kid, you understand what's going on in his or her heart and what some of the challenges are. And rather than trying to fix your kids all the time that you're entering into their life to feel what they're feeling, that's empathy. To spend time with your kids is all about building a relational connection with them. It's about being present when you're present. Did you know that you can be present and not present? That you can be present physically, but not present mentally and emotionally. And so that we as parents and our kids have their radars up, they know when we're mentally and emotionally present. That we would be there. That we would be developing those relationships. I've never met a parent who said, I. Who, Wish I didn't spend as much time as I did with my kids when they were growing up. I hear from what? Parents who regret, I wish I would have spent more time. So as we're shaping our kids, we shape our kids with love. We shape our kids by spending time with them. Another way that we love them is through discipline. Yes, discipline is love. To not discipline is not to love. That God loves us and God disciplines us that God's word talks about grace and truth. To only be grace with no truth is to enable, to be truth without grace is to condemn. It's when you have grace and truth together, it's restoring, it's training, it's learning from mistakes, it's shaping character. So how do we shape our kids? We shape our kids first, with love. What's the second thing we do? We shape them with God's word. Do you know that God's word is not just a book of do's and don'ts? Do you know that? your kids know that? That God's word is a letter written from a loving God about his love for his people. And so when we shape our kids with God's word then we're helping them to see that God's word is the authority because we have a loving God. That God's word is written for our protection as well as our provision. God's word protects us from foolish choices that lead to consequences. God's word provides for us. God's word provides God's very best for us. So as a parent, if you're a parent... God calls you to be the primary disciple maker in your family. We see this in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your might. And these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you get up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontless between your eyes, and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That discipleship is not an event. Discipleship is not a program. Discipleship is not a curriculum discipleship is a lifestyle. That we should be talking about God's word when we're at home and when we're not at home. When we're going to bed and when we're waking up. When we're walking and when we're driving, when we're eating and when we're going throughout life. We need to shape our kids with the word. If we don't shape our kids with the word, they're going to be shaped by the world. Do you want your kids shaped by the word or shaped by the world? Don't talk about God's word in your family. You can guarantee your kids are going to be shaped by the world. And so if you are a parent, God has given you some arrows First, you need to shape your arrow. We shape our arrow with love, and we shape our arrow with God's word. The second thing that we need to do is we need to aim our arrow. What is it that we're aiming towards? What is it, the target, that we're going for as parents? Let me suggest to you some of these common parental targets. I want my kid to be successful academically, athletically, financially. Did you know that many kids grow up in homes not feeling unconditional love by their parents, but feeling conditional love based on their performance? And they never feel like they can meet the expectations of the success that their parents want. I want my kids to be happy. That is textbook child center parenting. I want my kid to be protected. Yes, you need to protect your kids. But overprotection is unhealthy. And when your kids aren't under your care at all times, you need to trust the Lord for his protection of them. I want my kid to be a good kid, why? Is it because you want other parents to think that you're a good parent because you have good kids? So is there something more to parenting that we should be aiming at? Is this what our target is? Is our target success, happiness, protection, morality? Is that what our target is? Let me suggest to us as Christian parents The aim of our parenting, the bullseye of our parenting is to raise our kids to love God and to love others. To love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love their neighbor as their self. Does this sound familiar? This is what Jesus says in the gospel. This is what he says is the greatest commandment. So how do we help our kids to love God? Well, first of all, our kids need to know God and then follow God. As a parent, it's our primary responsibility to connect our kids with their creator. Statistics say that 68% of those who give their life to Christ do so before the age of 18. That should create urgency in all of us, especially if you have kids under that age. An urgency to tell your kids that Jesus is the bridge that love built. Yes, tell your kids they're amazing. Yes, tell them that you love them. But also tell them that they're a sinner and they're separated from God. But God built a bridge. That Jesus Christ died on the cross and he rose again and he offers forgiveness and he offers life. But you need to choose to believe and to receive Jesus for yourself. That's the ABCs of the faith, of course, done in an age-appropriate way. Here at High Point, High Point Kids and High Point Students exist to come alongside of families, not replace families, but to come alongside of families to help kids and students to believe and belong to and become like Jesus. Did you know that we have a discipleship roadmap for our kids The discipleship roadmap uh, takes into account different spiritual milestones at age-appropriate levels for each of our kids coming through our kids' ministry and then into our student ministry. It also takes into account the parental involvement uh, that is necessary along the way. Here at High Point, we offer three parenting groups, starting your family off right if you've got those that are infants and those who are little. We have young family group for those who are in the preschool and grade school years. And then we have a new group, the parenting teen group. There were over 60 that were a part of it this past year. Parenting comes with a lot of joys and challenges. You don't need to parent alone. And so what we want to do as a church is we want to come alongside and provide that community and that support for you. If you're a parent here, make a commitment now when these groups get started back up in September that you will choose to be a part of it. In addition to this parenting or discipleship roadmap, we also have something new called the family hub. It's a digital hub. It's online as well as it's a physical hub. It's up on the third floor. It's resourcing parents and kids and students with resources to believe in, belong to, and become like Jesus. Why? It's because we want to raise kids that will love God with all their heart. It's a heart issue. And if kids love Jesus... They will obey him and they will follow him and they will walk with him. And so, what's our target? Our target is to help kids love God as well as to love others. That our families are a greenhouse to grow love, to grow love with a parent and to grow love with siblings if there are siblings there. If kids don't learn love in the home, how are they going to love in the world? Well, how do we train our kids to show love? Let me suggest three things to you. Show respect, resolve conflict, act in kindness. To show respect first with our words. No put downs, but building up others. To show respect to authority, to people, to property. To resolve conflict. To not avoid people, not to attack people, but to address the issue. James 1 says that we're to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, that we would train our kids to resolve conflict because conflict happens all the time and that we would act in kindness. Philippians 2 talks about considering others' needs above yourself, about serving others. And so if the aim, if the target of our parenting is to love God and to love others how is it that we are to uh, do that how is it that we are to aim let me suggest to you that the way that we aim our kids to do that is less about what we say and more about what we do that our kids would see that our bibles are open in our homes That we wouldn't just pray for our kids, but we would pray with our kids. That we would make it a priority as a family. We go to church each and every Sunday because we love Jesus in this family. He is worthy of our worship, and so that is something that we do. That you would model showing respect. That you would model conflict with your spouse and with your kids, resolving it in a healthy way. That you would model caring for others, including your neighbors. Your kids are watching. The best way, the best way to aim them is by modeling and by praying. And so as parents, God has called us to shape our kids. We shape our kids with love and with God's word. And then we need to aim our kids towards the target of loving God and loving people. And then God calls us, God calls us to release. And notice that the illustration, the illustration is an arrow and it's not a boomerang, right? The illustration is an arrow to release an arrow. You might be here and you might have like an infant and you're cradling an infant and you're like, how in the world am I ever going to release her? You may be going through the tantrums of the terrible twos. When can I release him? (laughs) We talk about releasing, we're talking about releasing to college, releasing to career, releasing to the military, releasing to marriage. But in order to get there, there's lots of little releases. So think about car seat, booster seat, back seat, front seat, driver's permit, Driver's license. Do you see the progression that is there? So what are some of the releases? Well, it's teaching our kids to walk for themselves. And then eat for themselves. And then go to school. Then maybe spending the night at a grandparent's house. Then spending a night at a friend's house. Then a cell phone. Then a driver's license. Then group dating. Then a date, and then later curfew. All along the way, new responsibilities. And so think about this, is think about it like a rope that all along the way that you're releasing responsibility. And as you're releasing responsibility, three things are happening that you're building character, you're encouraging them to make wise choices and they're learning from their mistakes while they're under their roof, your roof. And so you're releasing responsibility and as they are responsible with that new responsibility, they are given more responsibility. But when they're irresponsible or they're not yet ready for that responsibility, you pull some things back and you hold on to it a little bit longer. And then when they're responsible, you give more responsibility and you let out the rope. The problem is a lot of people, a lot of parents, they drop the rope. They drop the rope during the toddler years. I can't handle it. Grade school years, do whatever you want child becomes 17 years old and is making massive mistakes in his or her life. And the parent becomes angry. Now, I'm going to take this back and I'm the one that's under control. And it leads to greater rebellion. And that's why you need to release one step at a time. Well, releasing is hard. Yes, it is hard. You realize that you're releasing them to a God who loves them way more than you ever love them. And you're releasing them not just from dependence upon you to independence, but you're releasing them from dependence upon you to dependence upon God. And you're not just dropping on the disowning them, you are releasing them, you're sending them into the world to love God and to love people. Our, two, our kids are now 22, 20, and 18. It feels like yesterday that they were four to an infant. In other ways, it feels like yesterday that they were 12, 10, and eight. I'm telling you, time flies. Am I not speaking the truth? So one out of college, one in college. Our daughter, who's playing keys today, is on her way to college this fall. Our two older uh, children, our boys, they're both in serious dating relationships. We love the girls that they're dating. They're both talking about engagement. Engagement possibly could happen within this next year. We would be super excited about that. But more than adding these girls to our family, the healthy thing to do is to release our boys, to start a family. Isn't that what it says in Genesis chapter 2? Man shall leave father and mother and hold fast to his wife and become one flesh. So yes, these girls will be a part of our extended family. But I need to be able to release them into God's care. So let's think about some cautions as it relates to releasing, don't hold on too much. Over-responsible parents, raise your responsible kids. Don't hold on too long. Don't helicopter your kids. And then don't hold on too hard. That releasing is biblical. It's healthy. To not release creates a codependency in an unhealthy way. You with your kids and sometimes your kids with you. So I want to invite the worship team to come forward. And as they do, let's finish off Verses 4 and 5, you can see the image of warfare here. We're like warriors as parents. Kids are the arrows. There's an enemy that's at the gate. That Ephesians chapter 6 talks about putting on the full armor of God. And we wouldn't need to put on the armor of God if we didn't need to protect ourselves, if we didn't need to fight, that there is an enemy. Our, the enemy is real. His strategy is to seek, kill, and to, to destroy. The enemy wants to destroy your marriage. Destroy your kids, destroy your family. That's why, that's why we need to allow the Lord to be the builder of our house, both the builder and the foundation. That we need to receive our kids as gifts from the Lord, that we need to raise them to love God with all their heart and to love their neighbor as theirself, and then release them into the world to do just that. I think it's important for me to say that godly families don't guarantee godly kids. Yes, Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's a proverb, it's a principle, it's not a promise. It's not a guarantee. But having a godly family, having a godly home, encourages our kids to want to follow the Lord. And it provides an environment that encourages them to do that. As we wrap up this message, I realize this message can hit us in lots of different ways. Maybe you're here and you're carrying resentment towards your parents. A deadbeat parent who abandoned you, a demanding parent who is all about your performance, a disgruntled parent who is always angry at you, a distant present who wasn't emotionally connected to you, and you carry resentment. Can I encourage you to offer grace and forgiveness? To not forgive is hurting yourself way more than it's hurting your parents. Maybe you're here as a parent and you're hearing this message and you're flooded with regrets and mistakes that you've made. Can you give grace to yourself? God gives grace to you. There's no perfect parent with perfect kids. Learn from your mistakes. Apologize to your kids. Even today if you need to. Maybe you're here and you've sought to raise a godly family. You've done all these things that we've talked about and your child isn't walking with the Lord. There's a lot of pain. Can you give grace to your kid to know that the story isn't over, to trust God? Can't control your kids, especially your adult kids. But you can love unconditionally, you can pray persistently, you can hope continually. How many of you are parents feel overwhelmed right now? Is it just me? We're in a room full of people who feel overwhelmed. I feel overwhelmed. If your hand is up, if you feel overwhelmed, you're in a great place. Why? Because it's not about your self-effort. It's about allowing the Lord to build your house it's about following him and trusting him for your family why don't we stand as we pray together heavenly father we thank you for your word every single word from Psalm 127 God we pray for the parents who are here today God, I pray that you would give them the perseverance, the patience, the wisdom that they need to fulfill the calling that you have called them to. God, where there's been mistakes in the past, God, would they receive grace from you and would they learn from that and would they seek to grow as a parent? God, for those that are here that long to be parents, God, I pray that you would hear their heart cry and that you would respond to them. Would you give them hope? in their spirit. God, we thank you that you are a God who loves us and who cares for us. And so God, we don't live our lives through self-effort, but we trust you. We build our lives on you. You are our firm foundation. And so we believe that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.